0: Hello and welcome to Living a Culture of Life podcast by Human Life International. I'm your host, Colleen, and I'm joined today by Jacob Tonglet from Men for Life. Welcome.
1: Thank you for letting me be here.
0: Well, thank you for coming on. And we're going to be talking about why men should care about abortion and then moving into how pornography feeds abortion and why the two are connected. So why don't we just start by, why don't you tell us a little bit about the organization, Men for Life? Why should men care about abortion? What do you what does your organization do?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so I, I just wanted to start by kind of introducing, so we're, our organization is Men for Life. And I wanted to start with our mission statement, because I think that like really encompasses what we're about. So it reads, our mission is to protect and expand human rights by encouraging men to be informed, active, and purposeful defenders of life. Um, so kind of what that means in like kind of more expanded layman's terms, um, basically our whole goal is to educate not only men, but also just anybody in general about why men should care about the issue of life. You know, we've, uh, heard for 50 plus years now, like, you know, men shouldn't have a say in this, it's a women's rights issue. Um, and I guess our standard here is to, you know, express the opinion that, uh, abortion is a human rights issue, not just a women's rights issue. So because abortion is a human's rights issue, um, all people, men and women, uh, should have a say-so and should have an opinion and be able to discuss things in a, um, you know, calm and collected manner and being able to, you know, further the education of, like, what life really is. So that's, I would say that that's what Men for Life really is at our core. Um, And what we have done a lot in the last few years um is producing out uh testimonies uh on different men who have had uh, experiences with abortion and letting them tell their story because oftentimes like i was saying like men feel silenced in this movement so our platform is really just to allow men to have uh a space to share their views their stories um their hurt like the um, the amount of pain that have come, that has come out of this pro-abortion movement, one men, we just don't hear about it often. So allowing men to have that platform where they could share, um, you know, what happened to them, you know, and in one of our, uh, so far we have two episodes online, uh, at our website, menforlife.org. And, um, one of them is actually a couple. So it's like, it's them sharing their story together. Um, men and women. So it's not like we're shutting women out of this debate, but rather just moving towards having men be included in this conversation.
0: Definitely. Yeah. Like you said, it is a human rights issue. It's not just a women's rights issue. Do you get pushback from people saying, why aren't, like, why are you giving men a voice in this space? Or do people generally accept that men should have a say in abortion and in these issues?
1: Well, I mean, I think from the pro-life side, we get no pushback, obviously, because they agree with the message. Uh, From the pro-choice side, we always get pushback saying like, oh, you know, just the mantras of like, no uterus, no opinion, like my body, my choice, all those mantras that have been there for 50 years. And one of the responses I often go to is the fact that uh, it seems like the pro-choice movement doesn't mind having men being involved in their side of it. Like, uh, shouting those mantras and being vocal for, um, pro when they're pro abortion, it's just when they're pro life that they have an issue with men having an opinion. So, um, you know, the, I kind of point out that hypocrisy in the nicest way possible, you know, um, and dialogue in that way of like, you know, I, I view this as a human rights issue and in the same way that we can view other human rights issue right so like um segregation and slavery of african american people like it it wasn't like only african americans could have an opinion on slavery or uh segregation right there was the ability for um the white population to also have an opinion of saying like you know slavery is wrong like segregation is wrong and we need to end these things because it's a human rights abuse in the same way as when we talk about have, uh, women having the right to vote in the early 1900s, in 1919, with the uh, with the amendment for women to be able to vote, you know, obviously women were at the forefront of that. But there were also men there standing up for those women as well. So that's, we're, we're just looking, we look at ourselves as a modern day version of those, right, of this movement of saying this is a human rights abuse and not to exclude anybody's contributing to this conversation, but to include everyone.
0: And just being intentional about making sure that the groups that often get excluded from the conversation actually have a chance to share their experiences with us. Absolutely,
1: yes. (laughs)
0: You said that you have a lot of testimonies from men who have shared their experiences with abortion. Do you have any that you're able to share with us that you know off the top of your head? Or do you have any personal experiences with this?
1: Yeah. So um, two stories that come to mind are the two episodes that we already have released. And I'll give you a brief synopsis. Um, The first is uh, from Pastor Mike Wicker and his uh, wife Tara Wicker. And their story um, is they were teenagers. They were in high school. when they, you know, got pregnant. And um, it was one of those things where um, Tara didn't necessarily desire to have an abortion, but her family really kind of pushed her towards that uh, choice. But when she told Mike about it, Mike was, you know, absolutely in the camp of like, okay, like he was a football player. So he was like, I'm going to quit football. Like, I'm going to get a job. Uh, we're going to like raise this baby. You know, I'll give you anything and any support that, you know, you need, everything like that. And uh, Tara's family did win in the end and convince her that abortion was the best choice. And so she ended up having an abortion. And so um, Mike talks about how, you know, this was, I mean, I don't exactly know which year, but it was like 30 plus years ago and or like 20 something years ago, 27 maybe. Um and um, you know, talk, he just started sharing his story about like how that made him feel, the fact that like his child is gone, his child is deceased mm-hmm. uh, because of this decision. And he just recently, within the last year, uh, started being able to share that hurt. Um, the second story I want to share is uh, from another video that we have uploaded, um, the guy's name is Sean in the video. And Sean's story, Um, he was, I believe he was in college at the time, like just kind of 18, 19 years old, very, you know, very new to adulthood. Um, him and his girlfriend ended up getting pregnant and, um, she made the decision that she was going to have an abortion. Um, and Sean and his family were absolutely like, like, we will step in, we will help take care of this child. Even if, even if that means that we're not like together, you know, that way, like this child, I will take care of that child as, as he was saying. Um, but she ultimately just said, no, like, you don't really have an opinion. You don't have a choice in this matter. I'm going to have an abortion. So, um, she went ahead and had the abortion and Sean was very silent about that for, for many, many years. But the, uh, the, you know, the, the psychology behind it, like he was absolutely going through post-traumatic stress, um, Mm -hmm. from that. And he, you know, ended up getting into alcohol and drugs and all sorts of uh, coping mechanisms that weren't healthy. Um, and it took a long time for him to realize that all of those self-destructive behaviors stemmed from the loss of his child through abortion. Um, so, like, now he has, you know, gotten through those addictions and he is a practicing lawyer now. So he's doing great now, uh, but it took a very, very long time to get through those psychological harms that abortion has affected on men as well um
0: yeah we had um Gregory Hasek on the podcast recently and he was talking about he works with men who have had an experience with abortion either having a girlfriend or a wife or someone having an abortion in their life and he was talking about the post-traumatic stress disorder that they get from it as well so it's interesting like just another organization that backs up that same research that this does have psychological effects on men as well as women Mm
1: -hmm. absolutely and um you know so I guess furthering our um, position is not only are we like educating people that men should have an opinion on this, but that men should have an active role in, you know, saving their children. Um, Because we know that statistics are backing up the fact that, um, you know, a third of all abortions are performed on women because of partner related reasons, meaning that, um, you know, the spouses, the boyfriends and all are pushing women to have an abortion rather than just like not taking that responsibility is a huge thing. Uh, and when women mm-hmm. feel supported and they feel like there's somebody there that's going to help me take care of this child, they're more likely to choose life. Um, so, you know, our, our goal isn't necessarily just to be like, okay, like, you know, men, you know, have a role, blah, blah, blah. But also that men need to step up, that um, historically over the last 50 years, men have taken a back seat in this movement. I think a lot of because we've been told for so long we're not supposed to have an opinion on this, um, and another statistic that we always bring into the fact is eighty two percent of men uh, said that that when their uh, wife, their girlfriend, whoever in their life uh, was having an abortion, that they knew about it beforehand. So it's not like all these men are, you know, just finding out like you know later on. Oh, my girlfriend was pregnant but had an abortion. And I didn't have a say it was like very much like for the vast majority of them, they knew ahead of time that their girlfriends were pregnant, that their wives were pregnant. And, um, a lot of them pushed for an abortion, but a lot of them wanted to have a child and ultimately ended up not being able to have a child because of the abortion killing their child. Um, so, you know, our role is to say like men not only need to, you know, be firm in our stances on saying, like, life matters, but also that we need to step up and say, like, this is my child, and I'm going to absolutely be there for that child. I want to raise this child um, and to have a, a conversation, you know, about that.
0: Mm-hmm. That's definitely important because, like you said, that is both of their child. It's not just the woman's child. Yes, she's the one carrying the child, but it's the product of both of them and the product sounds very um, industrial, you know, It's yeah. the child was conceived in because of both of them. And it's so important that he's there for her as well. And that's the role of men is to protect the women and the child and take care of the family. And when he's not there, that puts so much pressure on the woman. And I think a lot of times in today's society, they're just, you're either told be a strong, independent woman, you can deal with this or get an abortion. And then I also noticed on your website that you deal with the subject of pornography and you tie it to abortion. Can you explain that a little bit? Because that's an interesting idea that I recognize how it ties in with the trafficking angle of things of porn feeds trafficking, which relies on abortion. But is there a deep, what else? Like, what do you, what do you see in that connection there? Yeah,
1: absolutely. So number one, yes, you're absolutely right with that connection to trafficking and that um, the porn industry in general um, is highly predicated on, Um, sex trafficking, which is going to result in higher abortions because that industry is predicated on the sexual act, not the product of that sexual act. So the vast majority of cases where somebody gets pregnant as a result of a porn scene um, is going to end in a a termination, in an abortion. Uh, But even deeper, it speaks to the psychology of men. Um, And when a man is deeply affected and deeply invested into pornography with, you know, vast majority of men that are uh, pornography end up addicted to pornography. It, it becomes less, less about, you know, like, Oh, like, you know, this is what it is. I can even stop. It becomes an addiction where men can't even stop watching porn. Uh, they're so addicted to this and it goes to the root of when it becomes an addiction, it becomes that the object on the screen is just that object and no longer a person. Um so when you are dehumanizing the person on the screen or on whatever means of pornography you're watching, um when you're able to disassociate the personhood, the humanity from that person behind it, the the being behind it, what's to stop you from dehumanizing the life that you can't see in the world? So um, it it goes to the idea of pornography feeds this societal uh, mindset of dehumanization tactics. Um, And when you're able to dehumanize a whole um, group of people, I mean, you think about it, we can even step back from uh, the the issue of pornography for a second and look at just any societal uh, organizations that have dehumanized, a person in general or a group of people in general, look at like Nazi Germany, dehumanizing the Jewish people, um, and it allowed for a mass genocide of the Jewish people. Um, And that's the same kind of mindset that pornography envelops in the world today, is that we view the people as objects, and therefore when we view any group of people as objects, we can view the unborn as an object rather than a person.
0: Yeah. It's interesting because I think it also porn tends to make sex lo- look like something that's for recreation mm-hmm. and not something that's supposed to be in marriage for the sake of having pro- like uniting the couple and getting children. And it seems to me that that would also affect this as well. Not only are you dehumanizing the person on the screen, but you're making sex recreational and all of a sudden people don't know what God intended sex for right. is he intended it to be the fruit, the child to be the fruit of a married couple's love. And porn takes both sides of that. There's no uniting because it's a person on a screen who's not even considered a human mentally. Mm-hmm. Like it dehumanizes them. And then there's no procreating because people view sex as something to do for fun or something that they can view that's different from the act that they're having. And then when they do have sex, they just think it's for the physical pleasure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I always go back to... um you know, like our organization isn't uh, a specifically religious organization, but mm-hmm. I always love this quote from uh, John Paul II um, when he says that the problem with pornography isn't that it shows too much, but rather that it shows too little. Um, and that's that's the the core pro- uh, crux of the pornography problem is that you know you're taking away the idea of love out of the sexual act. Um, and it becomes purely, um, you know purely monetary in a way. Like it becomes business instead of um, a, a unit of act. Um, and then when you make when you make it economical, when you make it a business transaction, the resulting effect of a child being conceived through that act, um that child is then looked at as a liability to the company as a liability to the organization rather than the asset um, to use business terms um, of, you know, an organization in general. Right. So when you're looking at it as like the industry, the pornography industry will view the child as a liability. And therefore the only thing that a a company, a, a business wants to do with liabilities is get rid of those liabilities to remove them from their books. Well, that's going to result in an abortion because that's what, that's how you get rid of a child in the room, so
0: It's interesting because looking at it from a money perspective, that's also dehumanizing mm-hmm. because you're then treating a human as something, you're either looking for people to buy into your industry, which means that you want them viewing porn because you want to make money off of them. And then you're dehumanizing them, them that way because it's just somebody the person becomes a pro- someone who can purchase your product, not a relation. There's right. no relation there because it's an industry. And then the child also becomes dehumanized because they're seen, like you said, as a liability. Can we talk a little bit about the trafficking connection, too, yeah. Do you, if you know about that? Mm-hmm. Because I think that's also an interesting tie that not just psychologically, but directly that porn is going to be increasing trafficking, will be increasing abortions. And there's a very direct monetary tie there as well. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. We can talk about that. Um... I don't have the statistic in front of me, so I don't want to don't want to you know lie to all the fan base, but I will. Uh, I know that the the statistics are very high in that the um, the percentage of the amount of the porn industry that is created uh, ver- uh, via trafficked human beings is is astronomically higher than you would expect. You know, I think a lot of people would expect, oh, it happens, but it's like maybe one or two percent. But it's like, it's significantly higher than that. I think it's somewhere around a third of all pornography is, uh, is because of trafficked individuals. And that's, that's already like, wow, we should, if, if a third of an industry, um, was predicated on the fact of something that is quite not only illegal, but also just widely unethical, like no matter what your political stances are, no matter what your religion is, no matter what, like it's tra- human trafficking is one of those things that virtually everyone can agree that is a wrong in our society. So for some, for an industry to be that highly uh, motivated by trafficking, and you know the the industry of pornography is the number one industry in the world economically. Um, it makes the most money out of every um, industry in the world. Um, so the fact that it's so highly predicated on trafficking uh, should be concerning, Um, and the fact that it's overlooked is a staple of how powerful the industry is, how monetarily powerful it is. So, um,
0: it also gets the most views on like internet porn is the most visited sites, like more than Twitter and Netflix and a whole bunch of very popular sites combined. Mm -hmm. The porn sites are getting more views than that as well.
1: Yes, absolutely. So, and then when, when you have an industry predicated on that, um, of course, um, you know, the outcome is going to be the destruction of life because that is a problem for them. Um, I mean, oftentimes you see it in TV shows and different things like that portrayed as like an individual sex trafficker will bring their, um, like, you know, the, the person employed by them, you know, um to an abortion clinic or whatever to uh to you know not have that child um but a lot of times it's not this like on the street gangster or anything like that that's doing this but it's rather industri- industry-wide people that are respected in communities and uh very rich and powerful individuals um that very widely put their names out there associated with these products um they're the ones that are forcing abortion on their employees, you could say. Um, you know, a lot of, um, you know, this is not something that's like widely publicized or anything like that, but through having conversations with people, um, you know, I've heard stories about how different pornography stars will have to sign contracts saying that if, um, if they end up pregnant, that um, they'll seek termination and things like that where it's like or or like contracts will be written and you see this in companies right now um like Mm -hmm. even disney and like amazon and all these other companies will um especially since roe got overturned they put it in like a lot of their employee contracts and benefits and stuff like that that they will pay for out-of-state abortions in these states that have like i'm i'm in louisiana louisiana is a state that abortion is illegal so like companies will um use their employee benefits to um allow women to travel to other states in order to have an abortion um so it's like using and it's the same thing in the porn industry it's like using those assets that are supposed to be for employee health benefits and using it towards uh, abortion as a health access
0: um yeah so it's also interesting because i know live action they did their undercover videos and they had one at least one there might have been more exposing sex traffickers bringing people basically Mm -hmm. i'm gonna say unwillingly i don't know if the woman was quote unquote willing or not but they're there with their traffickers so there's an element of coercion going on Mm -hmm. there and basically saying this person i don't remember if it was a minor in the video i know that there's videos with minors and there's ones with the traffickers i'm not sure if the trafficking, yeah. being trafficked, was also a minor. But anyway, they took them to Planned Parenthood, and it was very clear in the undercover video. It was very clear that this girl was being trafficked, mm-hmm. and Planned Parenthood covered it up. Was like, oh, you can get her back on the streets. Like, just yeah. don't do anything. I think from like the waist down or something. They had very graphic language of giving the pimp the um, what's the word? Tips for getting the girls back on the street mm-hmm. as soon as possible, and obviously. In the scenario, it was all undercover, so nobody was actually being trafficked in the video right. itself, but they were going in there as if they were. And Planned Parenthood totally covered it up.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, it's you know, I, I've seen those videos from live action, and it's concerning. You know, it's one of those things that's like, especially for Men for Life, like, you, you look at it and you're saying, like, wow, like, for the most part, this industry of trafficking uh, is predicated by men. So, I mean, there are definitely women traffickers out there. Like, this isn't a sole exclusivity, uh, but it's an industry that is predicated majoritively by men, Um, and it, you know, hurts my heart It saddens me to know that um, there are men out there who are exploiting women in that way instead of upholding and protecting women like they should, Um, and, you know, that's I would say the connection back to our organization at least is that's why Mm -hmm. we take such a strong stance against abortion and why we take such a strong stance against pornography and all of the things that we take stances on is because like, wow, like I, I couldn't imagine being in that situation and saying like, this is something that's good. Like that. I'm, you know, I'm helping out the world by killing and destroying children and by you know, forcing women to be in, in, in sex trafficking and all that kind of stuff. And it's like a lot of these women, like, you know, there, there are a lot of cases where women are not desiring to be in this situation. Obviously they're, they, um, you know, they don't, um, not only don't want to be there, but like they're vocally and actively trying to get out, but they're like all the organizations that should be helping them. Um like, let's say, a Planned Parenthood or or some organization that should be recognizing, hey, this woman might be trafficked and do nothing to save them.
0: Um, Like a woman's health organization. Yeah.
1: You know, all these different organizations that should be helping them. They clearly look the other way. But then there's also a lot of women who are being trafficked that, um, and I'm blanking on the the term, it's uh, uh, Stockholm Syndrome. Uh, There's a, a lot of women who like they've latched on to their perpetrators um, so because of psychological damage, right? It's not because the, they're not coerced into it and it's not because they actually wanna be there, but rather that they have been broken down and, and um, their psyche has been like completely destroyed and been able, to, it's like it's like wiping the memory from your computer and re-uploading what you want onto it. right? It's like they've been broken down to the point where they believe that this is a good thing. And clearly it's not. So, like, to, to those men that are trafficking women out there, like, our plea is, like, like, look at what you're doing. Look at, is this actually a, a benefit for society? And we can all agree it's not. So, um, but clearly the porn industry, the trafficking industry is predicated on, you know, money. It's monetary gains. and um, you know, that, that shouldn't be the number one in our society. It should be the upholding of life itself. Right. If you look at the constitution in this country, um, you know, the declarations and all, all of the founding fathers, like life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness were the, the three, you know, top things, but life was above and all uh, above and beyond all of it. Right. So that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's where our organization stands on that.
0: Yeah. No, I was just thinking about going back to porn. <laughs> it's, I think it's really important that you are raising that awareness because it's so pushed in today's society and it's in a sense normalized in the media. I, mean, I just know watching secular TV shows, it I, there was one that I was watching and people were just talking about watching porn like it was normal. And I think there's this huge push to normalize it. And it's really good for people to make a stand and say, this thing that people are trying to normalize has these very deadly consequences and is tied yeah. inherently with dehumanization and by viewing it, you're not just watching something going on on a screen that you're dehumanizing somebody and you're feeding into with your money into this industry that's causing women to get abortions and killing children and just dehumanizing the viewer and the person Mm -hmm. being viewed.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of those things that's like, um, you know, it's so normalized and that's a huge problem. But I also want to talk about the fact that in a way it kind of should be normalized, not in the industry itself, but in the understanding of there's so many people who struggle with Mm -hmm. uh, the addiction to pornography, and we need more mental health out there for those people that do struggle with this addiction to where they can get through that addiction in the same way that we help drug addicts, that we help alcoholics and getting through that addiction, because it's not that drugs are good, right? But um, we want to help people get off of those drugs in the same way as we wanna help people be able to get off of porn. Um, and so like being able to normalize the fact that this addiction is widely a problem. Like It's it's not like a, a small set of people that struggle with this. It's a very popular uh, thing to be addicted to. Um, it's why the porn industry is the number one industry in the world, right? It doesn't get that way because very few people watch porn. Um, so being able to say okay we need to do more in mental health to help people get over that addiction
0: and make sure that people feel comfortable seeking help for it i think that's a big thing about for people why people should be aware that this is a really big issue i think i did looked up some stats in an article before we filmed this and i think it's a third of americans of adults have you like will seek it out once a month and then the study said that i think it's six out of ten will Tried it, will use porn like daily, weekly, or monthly out of, of the young mm-hmm. adults. And so it's very common and rampant in today's society. And I think it's very important that people are aware that it's a really big issue, but also that there is help, help out there for people who are struggling with addictions and making sure that people who do have these addictions are comfortable seeking help. And also that they can open up to people around them to hold them accountable if they need to and not feel necessarily, the sh- like they should feel, I guess there is a good sense of shame, but they also shouldn't be shamed into silence and not being able to have any help and feeling like it's their own struggle that nobody's there to support them. Because again, it comes down to, it's so important to have relationships with the people around you. And that goes down to dehumanizing mm-hmm. and all of that. It's all tied up. If you need a community support to get through an addiction, you need that community support and people should be there for you.
1: Absolutely. So, and that's, that's why we included in our topics that we discuss with Men for Life is because we understand that um, you know, I don't, I don't know the the physical statistics, but I'd imagine that, um, you know, it's probably more men than women watch porn, and so it's an issue that definitely skews towards being an issue that we need to take on as men and say this is a problem and we need to get through it together.
0: I think because men tend to be more visually oriented, yeah, that's probably why yeah. it it makes sense that given the men's say, like the way their brain works that they would be drawn to it more yes. even though women definitely can be addicted to it mm-hmm. so, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before we wrap this up today
1: yeah so um going back to you know men for life for a second in our, our organization's goals like um just a, a simple thing of being there and supportive but not being um supportive in the sense of like not saying i will support you by going and taking you to an abortion clinic and that's how i'm going to support you but rather by being supportive and saying, like, no matter what the situation is, like, we can get through it together. Oftentimes, um, one of the big issues that we see in society is because we have seen so often like, going into the abortion issue that it's like, oh, um, no uterus, no opinion. And those kind of mantras that uh, men feel like when they're involved in an unplanned pregnancy, the first line of action is a lot of times men will say, well, what do you want to do about it? Um, it throws that pressure on that woman. And it says, like, I'm not really here as a support mechanism, but I'm just going to do whatever you say blindly. Um, and we need to get uh, get to a point where we're saying, like, let's say um, you were in an, involved in an unplanned pregnancy, um, that the man and the woman can come together and say, what are we going to do? Um, because once you throw that, what are you going to do about it? She's seeing, she is going to feel less supported. Um, she is going to feel pressure. Um, and she's going to look at the man in that situation and say, how can I trust that man to be there for me if he's not even going to be there in this situation for me? So, um, you know, in the long term. So of course, women are by and large choosing abortion when they're not supported. So for men to say, let's cut this mantra of what are you going to do about it, but talk about what are we going to do about it? How can we come together and be a supportive family unit for this child and bring this child into the world um, and do everything humanly possible to, to give that child the life they deserve? In some cases, that might mean we're, like, we're not ready to have a child, but adoption is an option in that case. Um, In some instances, it might be it's going to be hard, might be, you know, looking for government assistance It might be, you know, asking family members for help that we wouldn't otherwise want to try and find help with. Um, But being a cohesive unit together instead of separating, because the world wants us to separate the world wants us to say it's a women's issue and men, you don't really have a right, because when they can separate the man from this conversation. They, the abortion industry wins because they can absolutely convince a woman who's by herself to have an abortion. But it's much harder to convince a conducive family unit of a man and a woman together to have an abortion. It's much more rare. So um, that's how we can absolutely stay involved and fight against this movement of dehumanizing children.
0: Yeah, that's so true. I love how you recognize that, that the man and the woman together is so, it's a cohesive whole and that they can stand up, like stand for life so much better when they're together. Mm-hmm. Do you have men coming to your organization asking for help in those situations? If they encounter a girlfriend or a like a wife who's pregnant unexpectedly, do they look for you? Like, do they ever reach out to you looking for help or guidance in that issue? Yes, they
1: have. Now, granted, I will say we're relatively new and kind of trying to break through in terms of growth. So it's, it hasn't been that many conversations yet, and I would welcome more and more conversations. We want to be there for those men that are seeking help. So, um, you know, they can absolutely reach out to us on our website, email us, um, and, you know, just talk to us in those kind of ways. Um, but, like, for instance, those two cases in which I, I brought forth, uh, Mike and Sean, um, it was really through those conversations of them recognizing, hey, this is an organization that exists. And I can share my story and I can say, like, I would like, you know, to to do something more. Um, and then there have been men that have come to us and said, like, I, I don't know what to do in this situation. Like, can you help by, you know, pointing me in any direction that can help? And a lot of that's going to be, you know, state dependent on what your state offers, what pregnancy resources centers you have around you, things like that. So, like, I might be in Louisiana So I'm not going to necessarily know everything like, let's say, in Arizona or Montana or D.C. or anything like that all across the country, California, New York, all of those places. But I know how to research in the right directions and reach out to the networks that we have uh, through this movement and say, like, okay, like, I know pregnancy resource centers are going to be a very strong help. So looking for one of the nearest pregnancy resources centers to you, I can you know, point you to, if it's more of like an, it's an after the effect, like I'm trying to, you know, get through the psychological harm, um, recommending you to different uh, post-abortive like seminars and and conversations and uh, retreats and all sorts of stuff that can help you put your mind at ease, whether it be through a religious organization, like a church, whether it be through more of just like a, a psychologist's help or anything like that. So it it's very specific on the the individual that comes to us and we will tailor make our plan to like helping you through that right no two no two situations the same and we recognize that um but yeah we we want to be that resource and pointing you in that right direction so we could be a hub to help you move around into different categories of all the help that you need
0: well that's wonderful i'm so glad that there's an organization out there that recognizes the need for men to stand up and defend life, as well as women. Everybody should, because like you said, it is a human rights issue. So thank you. And thank you for joining us.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's been great.
0: (laughs) Yeah, this has been a really, yeah, really interesting conversation. Mm -hmm. And to all of our listeners, please like, subscribe, turn on notifications. If you're, leave us comments or a review and keep on living the culture of life. Thank you and God bless.